What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. The Black Widow spider has the most peculiar mating ritual. After the deed is done, the female kills her mate and dissolves him into a spider soup for her nourishment. Then she moves on and finds the next male spider to increase her wealth of children. And the cycle continues. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are Leroy Evans, husband number one, Ernest Smith, husband number two, James Rain, husband number three, Enoch Rain, James's brother, John Goldston, husband number four, and Emma Rain, our murderess. So she didn't take her last husband's name. It's rude. Emma was born in 1964 in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Though she grew up poor, she dreamed of a life like she may have been a poor girl, but she definitely dreamed of the lavish life. She wanted the live she wanted to live the life of luxury. She wanted to have a high status and she was determined to get that. When she finished high school, she married a man, Leroy Evans, and they started to have a real good life together. And they started having children when she was 17 and he was 18. And they had two children and their children's names were Quincy and Keisha. In 1993, when Emma was 29 years old, Leroy was hit by a car, just like ran over and it left him as a paraplegic, bedridden. He was on a feeding tube. He needed help to do every single thing. And when that happens... That means that he can't take care of Emma because Emma is too busy taking care of him and it didn't really work out so nicely. So one night, the following year in 1994, Leroy dies one night. So what happened was he ended up choking when his feeding tube was mysteriously taken out. Even though it was very suspicious and most people thought it was very suspicious, it was ruled an accident. Emma didn't get in any trouble. It, look at her. She's a grieving widow over her lost husband. So what does she have to comfort her? Oh, nothing but a measly insurance policy. She also decided, you know, I have kids. We need to have a new start. We need to get away from the horrors that have happened to us here in Mississippi. Let's go to New Orleans. Friend, do you know how much I love the accents down in New Orleans? It's the best accent there is. Ooh, when they be like, baby, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> come here, baby. <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, I love it. Favorite accent for sure. Now, New Orleans, it's, I mean, it's New Orleans. It's vibrant. It's fun. It's things to do all the time. There's a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of single men. And Emma was determined to get herself a new man. That same year, she started going to church. 
And she had her eye on somebody in the church, particularly the pastor. His name was Ernest Smith. He was one of those people that had the personality that could really brighten up a room. Ernest was adopted when he was 10 years old, but he never, ever speaks of his past, the family that adopted him. Apparently his life was really rough growing up, but it's something that he really didn't want to define him. He was known as the positive person that you wanted to always be around. Now, after Ernest graduated from high school, he did go in the National Guard for a little while. He did get married for a little while, actually had a kid, got divorced, whatever. And that was fine because that was all before he actually became ordained as a minister and worked his way up to pastor. But now that he was, he was really what do they say, laboring for the Lord. So much so that he opened up his own church. And he was so good at being the pastor of this church. Like people really enjoyed coming to his services. He was one of those people that just wanted, you wanted to leave this church service feeling good. He was the pastor that you wanted to see. Remember Emma, her husband died in 94. She met pastor in 94 and they were married by 95. And this is new status for Emma. Like, she's a first lady. She gets to wear the nice things. She's putting on a, she's being put on a higher pedestal. These are the things that she really wants. You know, it takes a special type of woman to be a first lady. Tell us about it. Uh, what I know. <laughs> she was starting to get that status that she was really seeking. You know, unless you own like a mega church or something, a lot of times these pastors got to work another job to make ends meet, right? So Ernest worked as a truck driver and Emma kept up her hustlers while they worked to support their three children. She had a wig shop. She did some real estate. Back in Vicksburg, she was doing tax prep, so she kept that going. She was just, you know, trying to keep money coming in, wasn't afraid of work, right? She, she was the numbers lady. Mm-hmm. She wanted that perfect, successful life, and she was willing to work hard to get it. Like, ain't nothing wrong with a little elbow grease on this end. You know what I heard? That she was kind of skimping people on what she owed them when she was doing their tax prep. Some people said that she owed them money. They never got it. Hustlers hustle all type of ways, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ernest, he was a great stepfather. He treated Emma's kids as if they were his own. It was just a great role model. And they had that picture-perfect family. And, you know, with them doing all this hustling, their blended family, they're kind of looking kind of like a status symbol, like they have it all, right? I mean, it's the pedestal that you put the pastor the first lady on right. in traditional like communities, southern communities. That's, yeah, That's the epitome of the family. Like, that's the example of a, of the family, you know? Right. And you want to strive to reach that. And they're they're giving the image. Unfortunately, Hurricane Katrina came and the family was forced to Arlington, Texas. In Texas, Ernest got a new truck driving job. And the three kids who are grown now, everybody's in their 20s, they all got jobs and they kind of, you know, set up in Texas as everything, you know, it took a while to come back after Katrina. So... Of course it did, because, you know, the government didn't care about taking care of the city of New Orleans. And they knew that a big storm was coming and nobody properly prepared for the catastrophe. And then when the catastrophe happened, the government was like, oh, my goodness, where's George Bush? He's on vacation. Don't you worry your pretty little head. We got this. Oh, no, we don't. We have no place to put people. Mm. Katrina happened. Katrina happened. Everybody's kind of in a state of rebuilding at this point, you know, completely starting over, trying to set up. Now, eventually, 
Emma returned to New Orleans almost right after the waters kind of got back to normal. You know, it took a while and New Orleans was shut down for a little minute. But once businesses started going back and up and running, she was like, I'm headed back home. Ernest was like, nah. I'm going to stay out here in Texas a little bit. I got some nice money. You know, the family has settled out here. I'm I'm going to chill over here. You know, I'll see you. Which is weird. Like, I guess when a family is in that rebuilding phase that you would, there are instances where husband and wife have to go and make sure that life and business is taken care of. I mean, did he not come back for the church? I mean, I don't know if that church is completely destroyed and everybody's displaced. You don't know where everybody is at and who all is returning. Emma's out in New Orleans by herself, and I guess the loneliness got to her, so she ends up getting in a relationship with a guy named James Rain. This is an old army buddy of Ernest, which is a foul move. That's your battle buddy. You don't do that, okay? Ernest grew suspicious of the shenanigans, and he calls James on multiple occasions. Like, listen, bro, shit's looking a little weird, and I don't like it. Stay away from my wife, you know? Respect it. Why you getting so cozy? Why y'all hanging out so much? Take a step back, okay? You're doing a lot. You would think that James was just, like, hear Ernest's concern and be like, you're right, I'm wrong. I shouldn't have stepped to your girl. I'm caught now. You got it, you know? But no, he decides that he's going to fight for Emma and continues to go in these back and forth with Ernest to the point where they would get into screaming matches about it. And James's family is kind of looking at him sideways like, I know you're not on the phone yelling at another man over his wife. Well, you need to stay away from him and her. That That's not a good look. Chill. That. Do the right thing. General rule of thumb, leave married folks alone. That's the easy part, right? Like, let's start there. But like, especially, you know, these people, like y'all went through shit together. Come on now. Well, that was a thing. They also said that like James, of course, both of them went to war together. But when James came back from the war, he wasn't diagnosed with PTSD, but everybody was like, he was different. Like he was moving different. He was always a big fun guy, but he was just moving a little different since then. Now, Ernest, back in Texas, he had a great opportunity that came up and he was very excited about it. He got the opportunity to step in as the lead pastor of a church of 500 congregants in Atlanta. So this is a huge opportunity. This is like becoming a full-time pastor type of opportunity. He's not going to need to drive trucks anymore. Things are going to be really, really great. He tells his wife about this and they're like, okay, we need to start getting our arrangements together. So he comes back down to New Orleans. Now, what he didn't know, well, let's start with what he did know. What he did know is that he had a life insurance policy out on him. He was married. He has a child. These are things that he he is the pastor of a church. These are things that need to be taken care of. A portion of that insurance money was supposed to go to Ernest's biological daughter. Remember, he has a daughter from a previous marriage. It was a small insurance policy. Like, it was still like six figures. But over time, Emma, she was slowly but surely up in that shit. I wonder... So every time that she was given the opportunity, like, oh, you can increase the policy. Oh, you can increase the policy. She was taking them. And so when Ernest returned from Texas to New Orleans to get ready to go to Atlanta, unbeknownst to him, his insurance policy was $800,000. Now, somehow, in February of 2006, his policy was changed. Who did it? We don't know. Dot, dot, dot. 
Yes, we, we do know who did it. Um, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we do know who did it. But his policy was changed. Girl, tell me why his policy was changed so that James Rain was the 50-50 beneficiary. Not this nigga fighting me for my wife. Not that same James. James, girl, that he was getting a payday. You know that man did not put his wife's sneaky link on his insurance policy. No man, whatever. No person, whatever. In 2006, when Ernest returned to New Orleans, he's in New Orleans now, Emma, she's in a townhouse that she got, she started renting out on the east side. While he was there, Emma and James, they decide to hit up their friend, Alfred Everett. Now, Alfred is a close friend to James, her current boo, her current sneaky link. So much so, Alfred, when he was a teenager, his mom passed away. And when his mom passed away, the Rain family, so James Rain, all of them, they adopted him. They were like, it was the natural thing to do. Like, it, of course, this is who we're going to take under our wing. So they, so James and Emma is like, okay, hey, Alfred, if we give you 10 bands after this payout, will you kill him? And he's like, ah, okay, I'll do it. So it's April 12, 2006. Ernest is out with his friend Ronald at a local bar. It's motorcycle night or something like that. And he had just gotten his first motorcycle. So he's like, it's lit. We're going to motorcycle night. We're about to have a blast. So they go to the bar. They have a good time. And then they ride back to Ernest's house. They're sitting on their bikes, kicking shit, biker boy style. And Ernest decides he's going to call it a night. So Ronald's like waiting outside. He wants to make sure that his friend makes it to the house. Ernest is like, oh, I'm fine. You go ahead. So Ernest walks to the door and and Ronald's like, you know, I guess that's good enough. He feels comfortable. I'm going to call it a night. And he leaves. Ernest pulls at his keys. And while this is happening, Alfred is sitting in his car with the lights off and he's been watching them talk and he waits for Ronald to drive away. Ernest is at the door, key in hand. Alfred gets out the car and somehow gets Ernest's attention. Ernest turns to see what it is, and Alfred shoots him twice in the chest. Ernest manages to crawl inside, and he's yelling, Baby, I've been shot. He collapses on the stairs, and he dies. Now, first, Emma calls James. Then she calls 911. The police come and they, of course, take Emma's statement. She tells officers that she was actually supposed to go to the bar with Ernest and his friend that night, but she ended up getting a toothache and had to stay home. She's like, I'm on medicine, just wasn't up for it. I stayed here. She's like, so I'm in the bed and I hear these two popping sounds. She's like, now at first I just thought it was a car backfiring, but once he comes in the house... Yelling, I realized my husband has been shot. She says she goes downstairs and she holds him in her arms as he dies. And the police, they're taking this all in, but they're like, you are awfully calm for a woman whose husband went out for a night at the bar and walked back and in is the now house dead. with a bullet in his chest and died dead. in your arms. So right after the shooting, Alfred gets in his car and he heads back to Mississippi and goes to Lake Pontchartrain and throws the gun in it, just trying to get rid of the evidence, right? The police are at the scene, they're like, somebody had to be waiting on this man and ambush him. But Emma's like, well, who would that be? My husband doesn't have any enemies. He's a pastor, for God's sake. Everybody loved him. She's like, like I said, he was just having a night out with his friend Ronald. That's who he was with before he walked in the house. 
please go and talk to Ronald. And Ronald's like, yeah, I did hang out with him before he died. He was like, I sat at the house. I waited for him to get to the door, which is probably further feeding the ambush story, right? Because this man watched him walk to the door. And, like, it happened so fast that Ronald recalls, after the fact, seeing police pass him on his way home. And he's just thinking, I know we want a safe area. Also, it's right after Katrina or whatever. But, like, not even putting together that that is possibly his friend who he just hung out with. And he's... And, like, I saw you standing on your porch. Yeah. After the police leave and everything, Emma calls Ernest's daughter to tell her what happened. So she gets his daughter on the phone and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know that your dad died tonight. Daughter's upset. What What do you mean my dad died? What happened? She was like, well, your dad was out with Ronald to the little bike night thing at the bar. And when he came home, he came inside and we were just talking about, you know, his night. And I told him to go move his motorcycle. Well, he went outside to move it and ended up getting shot before he could walk back in. This case went cold very quickly. And the main reason, honestly, is because of Hurricane Katrina. No one was prepared for the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. On top of that, our president stayed on vacation at the time. On top of that, the leaders in FEMA were not doing their job. On top of that, the precautions that they put in place, like buses to transport people out, got stuck because you put them where in a place that they would get stuck. On top of that, there was so much crime happening. Police were quitting. Prison guards were quitting. People were just no longer showing up to work. New Orleans was in mayhem. And so if there was a murder, the most that they could do is, like, take a report. But they didn't have time to go figure out who did, who did that shit. They don't have time to go play detective. Unless somebody knows what happened to push this thing forward, your detective probably quit the next day. So his case was pretty cold. And you know what was crazy? Ernest's daughter never got her part of the insurance money. And she thought that was a little odd. Want to know why? I bet you know why. Because Emma had her daughter, her biological daughter, forge Ernest's daughter's signature to give over all the money. Ain't that something? Uh, it's, it's something. <laughs> Did you did that make did that make sense? Did y'all hear me, church? Okay, let me break it down. <laughs> Catch up. This is where we are. Okay, so the first lady is cheating, and her man and her are now the sole beneficiaries of her late husband's insurance policy. They cut her late husband's daughter out the deal. Didn't even give her her insurance money. Also, didn't pay their hitman. Just gave them two like lousy ass cars, like two hoopties, I guess. That's what he said he got was like two hoopties. After they got their money, Emma and James, they went Facebook official. I don't know if they were on Facebook, they, but they said they I hope the fuck publicly. not. First lady, <laughs> listen, you got to hold yourself to a higher standard than that. If you want to be on a higher standard, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. You have to live the higher standard. You have to breathe the higher standard. That's how you get the great things in life. You heard it here first, folks. Because <laughs> when you do things in the dark, they come to the light. Just like when Emma and James got married in secret and didn't tell their family. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But they had a whole bunch of money. So they were straight. And what did they do? They went to Poplar, Mississippi, which is actually where James is from. They built them a 
1,500 square foot, foot home with five bedrooms. They had a pool. They had a boat. They had cars. They had money. They had jewelry. They had everything they, they was wanted. living life. Listen, Emma was back throwing her lavish parties. They said they had expensive rugs. You know, rugs are expensive. And they had the good ones. And I also heard that at these parties, you know... James was a little different when he came home from the war and he would be really jealous. And so Emma would like to pick his buttons and be like, oh, this person wants to be with me. This person just hit on me. This person just did this. And James would get upset. He would get enraged and go off on his people. And Emma would enjoy that shit, like the intention. People like that toxic love. Will you do everything for me? Mm-hmm. Now, James, his family was starting to get very suspicious. So remember, y'all, that James has his brother, Enoch, and his uncle, Williams. Williams is more like their cousin. They're pretty much around the same age. And just so we figure out the family dynamic, I'm going to tell you guys this again. Boom. Ready? So James is blood brothers with Enoch. Williams is their blood uncle. And remember, Alfred is their adopted brother, so it's their brother. And they were like, bro, something in the milk ain't clean. This ain't even you. Like, we know that things ain't the same, but, like, this is weird, right? Like, you know him. You're married to his wife. We already told you that was a bad idea. And now he's dead. Please, I don't, don't tell me this is true. Don't tell me you had anything to do with it. He's like, no, what? No, no, absolutely not. Goes about his business. Now, Emma and James, they spent their money very fast. They obviously didn't invest it. Emma didn't use her good money skills to make sure that she continued to make that money. They weren't really paying their bills like that. And they filed for bankruptcy in 2010. And they was addicted to finessing. So Enoch and Williams has a side business of fencing. And so Emma says, oh, tell them that I would love for them to do like some fencing around the house. So they do it. They do the job. And Emma tells James to tell them that she don't like the fencing, so she's not going to pay for it. So now you have to go up to your brother and your uncle, your people, your blood, and be like, yeah, y'all not going to get paid. And then, girl, on another occasion, James goes up to Enoch and Williams. He's like, hey, y'all, I got this check for uh, $25,000. Emma wanted me to ask you if y'all could cash it using y'all business account. Why? So it can bounce harder? She wanted to cash a check through their business account? Yes. Mm, no. Sounds suspicious. You can't cash a check through any of my accounts. No. Business, none. personal, none of them. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a hell no for me. That's like them people who on Instagram, they be like, hey, I got locked out of my account. Can you send me? I'll be like, surely you know somebody better than... On the Sisters Who Kill account, surely there's somebody you know better than us who can help you with this. Surely I'm not your only way out of this. Mm-mm, find somebody else to do it. So on October 21st, 2011, well, I guess this was a couple days before, Emma started preparing for a trip that she had. She was going to Arkansas to meet with a client. She, you know, business as usual. She's getting herself ready for the trip. Her days with James are normal. She gets ready to leave the house. She gets her bags. She gets whatever she has to take with her. She unplugs the security camera. And she heads to Arkansas. Once she's in Arkansas, she's like, my goodness, I have been calling my husband's phone and I cannot get a hold of him. My goodness. Jeez Louise, where is my husband? I should call our emergency contact. Let me call his mother and tell her I am worried. She does. 
And so his mom was like, okay, if his wife is calling me saying that she's worried, then maybe I should go and see if he's there. She has the spare key to their house, I guess, because she made her way in. And she was like, okay, nothing's going on here. She looks in the living room, quiet, empty house. She goes upstairs and she finds her son, James Rain, shot in his bed. Now, everybody that knew anything about everything that was going on with their situation was like, mm-mm. No, no, this, this, this ain't no way, ain't no way that she don't have anything to do with this. They have the funeral and then Tazzy mm. at the funeral, she goes up to the casket because she goes to see her husband and everybody thought it was real crazy because she reaches out her hand and she touches like on the body everywhere that he was shot. And everybody was like, mm. Sound about that don't seem right. Were they suspicious because she wasn't supposed to know where he was shot or just because it's weird behavior? I don't know, but I'm just going to, I'm going to default to weird behavior. Weird behavior enough, well, they were already suspicious. And so that probably heightened their Scooby suspicions. Coincidentally, a few months later, the house burns down and Emma begins collecting home insurance payments. In addition to the life insurance payment she's collecting from James. Now, investigators did rule the burning of the house as arson, but they did not suspect Emma to be the arsonist. So at this point, Emma moves to Missouri, and in December of 2012, she marries a new man, Mr. John W. Goldston. And this is just 14 months after James has been murdered, and she is now on her four-count of fourth husband. So let's recap our characters. James and Enoch are blood brothers, and Alfred is the two of their adopted brothers. Now, remember that James asked Alfred to kill Ernest. So Enoch is chilling one day, and he gets a phone call to go check his mailbox. Real weird, real anonymous, real what the hell is going on. He goes to his mailbox, and he pulls out some insurance papers. And when he reads the insurance paper, he sees that his brother, James, is listed as the beneficiary for Ernest, who is the ex-husband of James's then-girl, who James stole the girl from. Which is wild, because I heard that Enoch, before they moved to Texas, before Katrina hit, Enoch found, walked in on James and Emma making out at Ernest and Emma's house at like a barbecue or something like that. And remember, Enoch was the main one that was like, hey, don't mess with married women. We seen it then. After getting these papers, Enoch is like, okay, something's not right. So he calls the cold case detective that he had seen on TV and he's like, I think I have some information about Ernest Smith's death. At this point, the streets start talking and what they're saying is that they think that Alfred killed Ernest. And it's kind of like a back and forth, like, no, that don't make no sense. Why would Alfred kill Ernest? And everything is like, it's looking like Alfred killed Ernest. With all this all this going on about Alfred in the rumor mill, Enoch pulls Alfred to the side with a couple of other family members. And they're like, listen, we think it's real suspicious that James is listed as the beneficiary. Do you think he and Emma might have murdered Ernest and Alfred just breaks immediately he can't take it he says I killed Ernest and him and James asked me to do it so I feel like he did I think he panicked (laughs) Alfred begins sobbing and he's confessing to this murder of Ernest he was like they promised me ten thousand dollars of Ernest's life insurance but I never got any of it I didn't get any money he was like I promise I'll turn myself into police I promise I'll do the right thing just I just need some time and his brother Enoch is like listen bro 
I got you. Like, take the time, but you need to do the right thing and you got to turn yourself in. So I will help you. I will get you a lawyer. I will support you throughout this, but you have to turn yourself in for this. And Enoch gave Alfred some time to do this. And then a year passed and Enoch was like, listen, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to have to. So Enoch calls the detectives and Detective Chambers meets with the family. They tell her all about Alfred and this murder plot to kill Ernest for his insurance money. And then Detective Chambers issues an arrest warrant for Alfred and Emma. Now, according to Detective Chambers, Alfred cried like a baby during his interrogation, but he did not make a statement. Just sob, 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 sob. That'll be me. That would be me. <laughs> I would be, bro, you know when I get to crying. I I would be in there sobbing. I won't say a word, though. I won't say a word. If you can't say lawyer, just keep crying. Don't say nothing. So Emma was arrested on August 1st. And even though she's on her third dead husband, she is very confused as to what's going on. They take her into the police station and they begin questioning her. And they're like, listen, ma'am, this is about your husband. And she says, <laughs> she says, which husband? The dead one. I don't know. They're all dead. After the arrest, John damn near bankrupts himself trying to pay for Emma's defense. He was like, I know my wife is innocent. She's being framed by the state. It's not fair, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to save her. The prosecution only had this ever-increasing insurance policy as their motive, and he just, he wasn't buying that, but eventually John files for a divorce. Not sure if it's before or after the trial, and not sure if it's because he was done with her, or if it was more of a big business move for security reasons or something like you know financial reasons more so Alfred's trial begins in December of 2014 it was a pretty hard case to argue because there was nothing against him except for Enoch's testimony but Enoch was pretty convincing and I'm sure Alfred continued to cry the whole way through so he was found guilty of second degree murder and criminal conspiracy so Emma goes to trial on August 10th of 2016 take that shit to trial bitch Again, the prosecution that they only have this this one motive of the insurance policies. So they're like, let's make her out to be a career black widow. Like you're killing your husbands and living off of their insurance. That is your career. That is your lifestyle. The ADA said that her main source of income was, quote, killing husbands. And baby, that's not high status. <laughs> she said that Emma wanted him dead more than anybody else, even if she didn't have it in her to walk up to the man and pull the trigger, referring to James. So the defense was like, listen, there's no physical evidence that is linking Emma to this case whatsoever. I like your little theory, prosecutors. It seems like a very great Lifetime movie. I might buy it. It's not real life. As we all know, Ernest just got a new motorcycle, his first motorcycle. He was just learning how to use the motorcycle and now hanging out with motorcycle posses, gangs, if you will. So she upped his life insurance policy to make sure that everybody was protected if the good Lord forbid something happened to him on that bike. So of course she upped his life insurance. Why wouldn't you? 
I think we mentioned this before. If we didn't, I'm going to say it again. They were like, listen, Ernest, you just got life in prison. We will lower it to 40 years if you testify against Emma saying that her and James asked you to pull the trigger on Ernest. He says no. He refuses to testify against her. When he did this, that gave them the opportunity to call Enoch back to the stand. And Enoch, like, first of all, he already had to testify against his adoptive brother about his real brother. But now he gets to testify against Emma, which is probably a little less of a shot to the heart. And the prosecution kept saying, listen, primary motive right here was greed. You think she would know to not be so greedy being a pastor's wife, but so people get so obsessed with image and status. And here's the proof of what happens when that happens. The defense was like, yes, the primary motive was greed, but it was not Emma's greed. It was James's greed. He was the mastermind. Emma had absolutely nothing to do with this. On August 12th of 2016, a jury convicted Emma of second degree murder for the murder of Ernest Smith. She showed no emotion during the verdict. And still, John does not believe the argument that the prosecution is given. He was like, no. I know my wife, she would not do this. This is not like her. And he defended Emma all the way to the end. He said, quote, she seemed really nice and she was easy with her heart. I still don't see all this devious stuff that I've been seeing on the internet. I still don't believe that she could have done that. She preys on those type of men, doesn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. Ones that are going to have her back. Hold it down. And as soon as they start getting a spine, you got to go. The following month in September of 2016, Emma pleads guilty to filing false tax returns in 2010 and 2011. On October 21st, she was sentenced to life without parole. The ADA said, quote, this woman is going to be at Costco shopping for caskets soon. That's how this is going. Same suit, same burial, same casket. Every man that has come into the path of Emirate is either dead or spending a life sentence in jail. To this day, she has not been charged with the death of Leroy Evans or James Rain. Oh, boy. That's the story of the Nolans Black Widow. All right, y'all. It's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I didn't do it, but if I did, I'm not having an affair so close to home. Not not my husband's friend. You know, it was all messy from the very beginning. I didn't do it, but if I did, Ernest, it's a red flag if her husband died that year and you guys are already in a relationship. I didn't do it, but if I did, if you this good at getting these niggas to fall for you, get you a sugar daddy, girl. They'll die on their own. <laughs> Sugar Daddy's want pretty young things, and she she ain't no pretty young thing, mm. you know? She got something going on. She married four times. Listen, if we don't know nothing, we know that <laughs> there are two things that go together. Crazy and some good, good. <laughs> I ain't do it, but if I did, um, girl, I'm not finna fuck around with one of God's people. I'm not off in a pastor. Look, she said, I'm not either. That's why I ain't pulled a trigger. I'm not, I'm not messing with nobody that's marching in the army, okay? I am good on that. If you marching in the army of the Lord, I'm gonna let you go. I ain't do it, but if I did, I don't know, I kind of just feel like Alfred got taken advantage of. Like, I don't think he ever should have been involved. It had nothing to do with him. Now she should have made James do it, but... I mean, not even her saying that, but like, even for James to get his brother wrapped up in that shit. People do that all the time. I know, and it's fucked up. All right, parole or no parole? 
No parole. Definitely established a pattern here. I don't know for sure about that first one. I've I've also heard that like he choked on his tube. So I think it'd be kind of hard to prove she's responsible for that one. But I think she's got at least two under her belt. And I'm uh yeah, I'm gonna say no parole either, Alfred. I might have said parole for. I don't know. I didn't jumping back. I didn't do it, but if I did, Alfred didn't speak at all during his his trial, and so Enoch got to speak for him. And I just feel like I don't know. I might have spoken for myself. Pled guilty, even if you didn't want to testify against Emma, you could have at least pled guilty and probably got out earlier. No parole for Emma. Cool. Now that's over. It's time to read some reviews. Okay, this one is from our Facebook page, the public Facebook page, which all of you can follow, Sisters Who Kill podcast. Share the Facebook page so you can share with your friends the joy that is this show. This is from Whitney. Whitney says, the best podcast. I love the authenticity and delivery of the stories. Plus, the segments at the end are exactly what I want to discuss when I'm listening to true crime. Ha ha. This podcast is beautifully executed and I love listening to the episodes. Thanks, Whitney, for leaving that review on Facebook. This one says, Jane Nodo from Apple Podcast Reviews. This is from Jane Nodo, and it says, thank you. Let me start by saying I'm not a true crime fan at all. Let me finish by saying I will cut you if you talk during Sisters Who Kill. I found you ladies by a random Google search of podcasts for black women. You ladies got me through the worst four months of my life. Aw, I may or may not have been planning a I didn't do it. Oh, wait, I did. No, I'm just kidding. A little bit. (laughs) Long long story short, I'm into true crime now. Mariah needs to hop on my new hit single as a feature, and I'm convinced Tazzy and them are my cousins somehow. Thank you, ladies, for all you do. I'm about to go donate my last $13 on Cash App. Thank you. That's money sign, sisters who kill. Pod. Pod. Mariah knows the things. You should know it. You know the money. <laughs> okay, that is the end of the show. Oh my gosh, we made it. You can donate to us. Sisters Who Kill Pod, Money Sign. You can follow us on Facebook, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. Follow us on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill. You can join the discussion group, Sisters Who Kill Discussion Group. Made the rules so you can get in, and this is how we play to win. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye.